0: Today it's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. It's 50, uh, 50 days after Easter. It's when we celebrate the Holy Spirit uh, coming for the church, for you and I. And we have 17 backgrounds at StorySide, last count. people that will tell us, Pastor Micah, you know, I came from Church of Christ, or I came from Lutheran, or, I came from one or another form of Baptist, or or, you know, we have several, I think four or five families now that their background was, was Amish or Mennonite. And I want to encourage you, let's not just like lump in Pentecost in there as if Pentecost is something that's only for a segment of people. Uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit being given was for the body of Christ. And so let's not alienate, you know, the Holy Spirit as if it's only for certain churches. I think we would all agree we want the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, regardless of what your background is. I want to talk to you today on the subject, make room. Everyone say, make room. I believe the best life is a spirit-filled life. The best life is a spirit-led life. That in God's presence right now, as we are worshiping, as we are singing, when you have God moments in your truck, your car, your house, and your job, the best life is a life that has the Holy Spirit In that life. That way you don't have to do everything on your own. You actually have the help. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. You have the help of the Holy Spirit. How many want to live that kind of life? You want to live a good life, a God life, a Holy Spirit life. I heard the joke about the lady that walked up to the little old man. It's a little old man that was rocking uh, on a chair on his porch. And this lady walks up to the little old man on his rocking chair, and and she says, I I couldn't help but notice how happy you look. Uh, What's your secret? What's your secret for a long, happy life? The man responded. He said, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. I also drink a case of whiskey a week. I eat fatty foods. I never exercise. The woman was blown away. She said, that's unbelievable. How how old are you? He said, I'm 36. 36. <laughs> 36 That's not funny. We're not talking about that kind of life. We're going to talk about this, this series this month we talk about make room. We're talking about the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We talk about the gifts of the spirit, we are talk about prayer languages, talk about what it means to have the Holy Spirit in our lives and I want to start right out of the gate week 1. By talking about make room. Can we say those two words together? Make room. Can we say it one more time? Make, make room. Acts chapter 2, verse number 4 and they were all filled. Not some, not most, all. They were all, notice that word, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Ephesians 5.18. Stop getting drunk with wine, which leads to wild living, but keep on being, here's the word again, but keep on being filled with the Spirit. Psalm 119 verse 11, thy word have I hid in. Talking about making room, being filled. This verse says, thy word have I hid in, in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. In other words, God's Word, His Holy Spirit, His presence, it's important that we get it on the the inside of us. I have one more passage of Scripture that I want to read. Acts chapter number 5. I want to begin to read at verse number 1 down through and including verse number 6. Verse number 1 of Acts 5 says, "...but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession." And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, here's the word, filled? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why? Why? It's an important question. Why? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. We're not talking today only about money. We're going to talk about just the spirit of this scripture and the principle of the passage. But but in talking about money, it's amazing sometimes how people, even here, people can say, I'm not giving my money to the preacher, not giving my time to the church. I'm not serving. I'm not working for free. I'm not. And we make this about man. I've seen it the other way as well, where people will say, you know, we pay a preacher and he can come early and leave late and turn the lights on and off and he needs to visit and he need... we're paying him. And if we're not careful whether it's the preacher or whether or not it's the person in the church, we start doing things for each other and we need to be reminded sometimes that when we worship, when we serve, when we give, it's not to a man. It's to God. Right? When you give, it's to God. Final two verses, verse 5 and 6. Then Ananias, hearing these words, he fell down, breathed his last great fear, came upon all those who heard these things, The young man arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. I just wanted to share this really encouraging, uplifting passage with you today. (laughs) He died, and the interns carried him out. (laughs) When you look at this story in the Bible, it is a very serious story. And the Bible says scriptures are given for examples samples or examples to us. Like what can we learn from them? I pray in the next 20 or 30 minutes that all of us would, would hear these scriptures and we would be challenged in our lives. What can we learn from this story today? When I look at the seriousness of this story and what happened to Ananias and then to Sapphira, the first thing that would jump out to me is that Ananias and Sapphira was one thing at home and they were something totally different when they went to church. And before we point fingers at Ananias and Sapphira, I think we could also look at our own lives and we could see that there are times that we are one thing here and something different there. Times where people could say to a teammate in the locker room, a classmate, a friend, a buddy, someone at work, I didn't even know you were a Christian. I I never knew you were tr- trying to do the God thing. Because in our lives, we, we can have, you know, this week we had outreaches in Mount Vernon and Bucyrus and was meeting with the community and and Pastor Chad was telling me in Bucyrus, some of the people that was coming to the table, to the booth, they were actually asking questions like, and they they use these words, what's the dress code? What's the dress code? In other words, I would have certain clothes I could wear to school or to work, but then when it comes here, there's church clothes. You see what I'm saying? You, You can actually, if you're not careful, you start thinking that I can be one thing here, But you would never want to tell that joke in church. You would never want to talk like that in church. See see how we can start doing that? We can be one thing here and one thing there. Ananias, in this story, he has secret struggles. The Bible says in one translation that they secretly or they deceptively, he has secret struggles. There's things going on the inside of Ananias that is secretive, deceptive, misleading. And if we were to tell the truth today, I think that all of us could admit that there are times we have secret struggles. And although everyone may not see it, the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance, but God, God is able to see our secret struggles. I heard the joke about the four guys that went out, they went out on a boat fishing, and I love fishing. These four guys went out on a boat fishing, and while they were out there, they decided to start confessing. Just a moment of transparency and honesty, and they thought, you know what, let's, let's start telling each other what we're struggling with. The first guy began to confess that he liked to drink whiskey. The second confessed that there's times he had inappropriate thoughts. The third confessed to to gambling, that that secretly he would gamble away his money. When it came to the fourth guy, he wouldn't confess, he wouldn't say anything, and his friends kept pressuring him and and saying, you know, we've all admitted to our vice and our struggles, like what, what, what is it? What is your secret? What, what is it that you struggle with? Finally, he answered. He said, it's gossiping. And I can't wait to get off of this boat. <laughs> we all have secret struggles. The preacher asked Ananias, why? Why have you lied the Holy Spirit. What is it that you are keeping back from God? Not only does Ananias have secret struggles, but he has what I would call support. Everyone say support. This is a dangerous one because these are the people in your life that will tell you it's okay. Ananias talks to Sapphira. The King James Version says that she was privy to it. Another translation says she was aware of it. The Jewish writings, the Jewish writing says that Sapphira had full knowledge, full knowledge of what Ananias was doing. One writer said that Ananias took counsel from his wife. Another says she was complicit with what Ananias was doing. How many times in our lives we can begin to justify our actions by by they said i could they told me to they pressured me they pushed they were okay with it they agreed see it's one thing to have a secret struggle something totally different when you get close not just counsel close counsel a friend a teammate a coworker a buddy someone begins to tell you it's okay it's all right It's no big deal. If you were going through something, anyone would do what you're doing. Kids could tell parents, everybody's doing it. Sapphira endorses, if you would, what Ananias is going to do. Sapphira's support can ruin you and I. Sapphira will say it's okay. Bad advice can break us. Bad advice can be very costly. We must guard. I want to help you today. We must guard who we get advice from. We must guard who we get approval from. Just because someone says, do it, go there, say it, try it, it's alright. We cannot allow their affirmation to excuse The issue, you say, but Pastor Micah, the guy at the gym, Pastor Micah, you know, my buddy I went to high school with, Pastor Micah, the people I work with, Pastor Micah, someone in my family, they said, and we will allow Sapphira, if we're not careful, to begin to be complicit, to begin to give us that counsel, to begin to say, it's all right, you can harbor hate. Hate. It's okay, you can be racist. It's all right, and they will begin to pat you on the back if you would, knowing full well God's Word, God's Spirit, God's presence would not excuse the issues going on in our lives. I heard the joke about the older gentleman. The older gentleman that refused to use his turn signal he would drive through town on and off of highways, never turn on his blinker. He would never let you know he was switching lanes, he would never let you know that he's getting off of an exit. He would just swerve around, never use his turn signal, never turn on his blinker. Finally, people began to question him about it. Like, why, why don't you turn your turn signal on? Why don't you use your blinker? And here's, here was his response. It's no one else's business where I'm going. We can develop that mentality or mindset that no one can speak into our lives. No one can challenge us. No one needs to know where we're going. I'm 16. I'm 17. Parents don't need to know. Guardians don't need to know. We live in a generation where whether or not it's our phones or our tablets or our social media, everything is a thumbprint and a facial recognition and a passcode. And, and we're going to, you know, whether it's a spouse or a spiritual authority, we don't want anyone to know what's going on. We don't have to tell anyone about our blinker, our turn signal. No one can speak into my life. Our generation, Sapphira, if you would, the Sapphira of social media, the Sapphira of 2019 will start telling you. No one needs to know. No one needs to tell you. No one needs to challenge. No one needs to convict. But we all know, we all need to realize today that it's not good to live your life and never have anyone, never have God, never have his spirit speaking into the direction of where we're going. Everyone say support. Not only does he have secret struggles, not only does he have support, but he has what I would call selfishness. This is a tough one because we're all selfish at times. I'm selfish, you're selfish. By definition, selfish means concerned with our own profit or pleasure. Concerned with our own profit or pleasure. Focused on our own advantage or well-being. The Bible, when talking about marriage, would say, treat your spouse as you would care for yourself. The Bible would say love your neighbor as you love yourself. The Bible would talk about the importance of not you and I being so consumed with ourselves because we can do that. They say 70% of people don't give anything to a church, nothing at all. Because we we oftentimes will look at ourselves first. You know, I have this payment and I have this bill and I have this and I'm going and I'm paying and I'm We can start looking at me first. If we read this story about Ananias, we're going to see words like he, his. Verse number three, to keep back part of the price of the land. He's being asked the question, why did you keep back part of the price of the land for for yourself? Selfishness will make us do stupid things. Selfishness will make us do stupid things. I've sat in my office, I've talked to people, we can all be, we can all be guilty of this. You'll, you'll start saying things like, I'm 30 years old, I'm 50 years old, I'm, and I need to start looking out for me. No one cares, no one appreciates everything I do around the house, no one values me, and it's time I look out for, for me. Number one, me. And selfishness will make us do stupid, silly, crazy, erratic. It really will. Selfishness, Ananias, will make you do stupid things. Selfishness will hide in our heart. It will lie dormant waiting for an opportunity. Selfishness blames everyone else. Because selfishness is never self-aware. Selfishness is never self-aware. I've pastored in some way or another in ministry or speaking or I've worked with kids and students and executive and admin and outreach and pastoring and 29 years. Went to Bible college in 1990, interned for three summers, traveled, spent years and years here in this area. And this week, I was trying to think about has there ever been anyone in 29 years that has ever come to me and said, I am leaving the church because I'm an idiot or I'm a jerk or I'm the problem? And I could not think of one person. I tried. In 29 years, has there ever been one person that said, I'm Ananias? Do you know how many people in 29 years have come and said, this one lady, this one guy, it's the kids checking people, it's the ushers, it's the greeters, it's the lights, it's the music. It's Because selfishness is never self-aware. We're always going to find someone else to blame. I don't like this job because of, I don't like living in this community because, I I don't like it because. And very rarely do we ever look at our own lives and say, what is in me that needs to change? What do I need to work on? Because selfishness is never self-aware. So we close our message today. Ananias comes up with a solution. He has a secret struggle. He has close counsel that's given him support. We have selfishness at play. He, himself, and then here's the solution. I'm going to give some. The preacher even asked him, you had the land, you could have done whatever you wanted with the money. Why? Why did you just give some? Is it to pacify? Is it to justify? Like, like why, why were you like sort of in, but out? Like, yes, but no, why? Just ask him why. As I worked on the message this week, I started thinking about how some, 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 some can actually sneak into all of our hearts. Where we may not really tithe, but we would give Some. We may not fully commit to following Jesus, but we'll come mm, Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day. You know what? I'll come. Some. Do you really want me to forgive God? Well, I can forgive him. Uh, I can forgive her. I'm definitely not going to forgive my ex. In other words, I'll forgive some. When I first read the Scripture here in Acts 5, I, I, I read it, and I'm, I'm drawn to the fact, Ananias, why did he give some? But then I start thinking, I've gave some. Some. And I know people that have got stuck in the middle. with Some, my kids play travel sports, travel baseball, travel softball. It can turn into, hey, Monday night at six and Tuesday at 530 and drop them off early and Wednesday and Thursday. And then you got to leave Saturday at 6am and You can get so busy traveling wrestling tournaments and football and baseball and basketball and pastor we've gotta go here and then we got the lake and then I've got overtime and before you know it your schedule's so busy and all you have left to give God. Some. It's no wonder that Matthew would remind us in chapter 22 and Luke in chapter 10 verse 27 Micah, David, Pelkey, love God, not not with some, not with part, love God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. When you look at this story, the preacher is going to ask Ananias, why did Satan fill, 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 fill? Why did Satan fill your heart? Why did Satan fill your heart? Because when you read this, it looks like the question is about his hand. Right? Ananias brings some of the money. It looks like the question is about what's in his hand. But what's in his hand is a byproduct of what first started in his heart. Ananias, why did Satan fill your heart to lie To the Holy Spirit. You see, we talked today about the potential and opportunity for God to fill us with His Holy Spirit. We read verses about filling our hearts with His Word, with Scripture. Now, we read that Satan wants to fill our hearts. Why? What if... What if Satan wanted to fill our hearts with racism? I'm not going to like, fill in the blank. Who are you not going to like? Who are you going to turn away from or turn on? What if, what if he puts that in my heart? What if a close connection, what, what if he wants hate to go in my heart? That now there's just a the disdain. Even if it doesn't always show on my face, the truth is, it's hidden. It's hidden in my heart. I hate them. I hate that they vote differently. I hate that they parent differently. I hate. Wouldn't the enemy wanna love to fill my heart and your heart with hate? What about greed? Ananias, he, him, himself. What about greed? Said, I'm going to look out for number one. I'm going to put myself ahead of everyone and everything. Greed. Selfishness. Wouldn't the enemy love to put this in your heart? No one's going to tell me about my turn signal. No one's going to tell me about my blinker. No one's going to tell me about my heart and mind. No one's going to challenge me. Satan begins to put so many things in our heart. This is a big one. Skepticism. Why would I give? Where's it all going? I don't like the internship. I would have never approved that skepticism people are very skeptical by nature I don't understand why 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 are we going to do these ministry line things like people coming up here and crying what's the big deal why why are we spending 10 minutes with people coming up here crying and the one lady I've seen her like the last five times they've done it Like she can't pray one time and break through and change her life and get better? Why does she keep coming up here? Can't get her act together? Can we hook her up with like what's going on with this woman? Why why are people raising their hands? Why are people crying? What's the deal with all the emotion? Like, I'm coming here for education, I'm not coming here for some big emotion fest. You become very skeptical. Especially if you've got some counsel in your life that's like, well, my dad, my grandpa and my great grandpa and I've been told for years there is no Holy Spirit and there is no... You become very skeptical. You'll start becoming skeptical, not just in this setting, you'll just become skeptical of life. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. In 29 years, I couldn't even quantify a number of the amount of people that I've met that battles for, I will forgive these, but not them. Why has Satan filled your heart? What about busyness? We always want to talk about sin as we see it. Pastor Micah, I think we should preach about sexuality and I think we should I think we should tell but don't talk about redeeming the time. Don't talk about seeking first. No, because, because the truth of the matter is, sometimes I'm so busy, I get so busy, I don't even have time for God. Lies? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie, lie, lie to the Holy Spirit? Anger? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But the fruit of the Spirit would talk about peace, self-control. But some people, if, if you told the truth right now, you would admit that there's times you're, you're just a ticking time bomb. People just walk on eggshells because you could blow a gasket at any time. Because anger has had a way of coming into your heart. You know you want to control it. You know you do. Anger. Bitterness. Complacency. Romans talks about just lukewarm or leaving first love or just getting stuck. At the start, you were so vibrant, so fired up, so excited but why, why has Satan filled your heart? Why? I, I don't know, I don't know what yours is. I'll lift this one blank because I, there's so many stories in the room and I'm sure online and listening today, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is that the enemy is saying. I've blocked them, I've barricaded them, I, I, I have got them exactly where I want them. I don't know what yours is, but... But the preacher asked Ananias, why? Why did you let Satan fill your heart? And then here comes the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God that was a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Word of God that could go forth and not return void. The Word of God, heaven and earth could pass away, but not His Word. Here comes the Word. And the Word's like, where can I go? The Word is saying, I want in your life, Mike. I I want to work my way in. I just don't know where to go. I would hide myself in your heart so that you wouldn't sin against me. But I, I don't have any room. The Holy Spirit is symbolic in Scripture with water. Jesus said, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here comes the Holy Spirit that Jesus on a well would tell a woman, I could give you to drink, you'll never thirst again. I know you've had five messed up relationships and you're on number six, but if I gave you a drink, here comes the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is saying, Micah, I would, I would, uh, I would love, but, but you've got to make room. You've got to be willing to look at bitterness, and say, if I've got to pick or choose, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. If 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 I've got to if I've got to pick or choose today, complacency's got to go. I can't have complacency in my life. I, I can't get too busy for the word of God and the things of God and the spirit of God. Selfishness is got to go and anger is got to go. I can't be so skeptical that I miss out on what God is trying to do in 2019. It's gotta go. Lies have gotta go. I've gotta let unforgiveness go. I need to get greed out of my life. I need to get hate. Racism has gotta go. Because if I make room will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy there'll be dreams and visions but i can't pour out on you mike i can't pour out on you story side i can't give it to you unless you're willing to make room for me but if you'll open up your heart and mind and if you'll make room i will pour out and i will give and i will bless and i will help is there anyone today that wants to make room for god You want to make room in your family, room in your marriage, room in your home, room in your life. You want to make room for God.